Welcome to this episode of Disrupt, a podcast of the Cedarville University Center for Pharmacy Innovation. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Dr. Justin Kobe, director of Cedar Care Village Pharmacy. In addition to learning about the unique roles he has as a pharmacist, we will hear about his vision for how independent community pharmacies can be integral to promoting health and optimizing medication outcomes. We'll also learn how this directly impacts the health of the Cedarville community. It is my distinct pleasure today to have Dr. Justin Kobe on the podcast with us. So welcome, Justin. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate being on the show. And we also have um, Matt Miracle with us, one of our uh, student innovators here in the Center for Pharmacy Innovation. So thanks for being with us, Matt. Yeah, happy to be here and definitely excited to get to hear a lot from our new director of the pharmacy. Great. Justin, we're going to open it up and just ask you to tell your story. Tell us about yourself, your family, whatever you think uh, we need to know about you. Yeah. You know, before I do that, I, I wanted to take a moment to uh, make the listener aware that I am the Wario to Dr. Cole's Mario. <laughs> so so my name is Justin Kobe. His name is Justin Cole. So guess what happens? Yeah. We get, we get emails crossed back and forth. F- so funny, this past summer, there was like this there's this project you're involved in and I was getting emails about, you know, getting, getting that project back up and going, I'm like, wow, this project sounds really cool. And this email isn't for me at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just wanted to talk about that elephant, uh, real quick, but, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to be on the podcast. I'm a fan. I've been listening in to what you guys are doing. It's just, uh, you do a fantastic job. I'm really, really excited. Uh, so I am a, uh, graduate of Ohio university, uh, graduated in 2007, got my farm D I live in Troy with uh, my wife, Mindy, my two kids, Dylan and Audrey. Hey, guys. Uh, I started my career as a retail pharmacist. Um, was climbing the corporate ladder, and then, you know, uh, God brought opportunities to me to go on some mission mission trips. And I just, man, that just changed everything. Derailed everything I was doing in, in, in retail pharmacy. And uh, I'd been volunteering at a free clinic, and I said, you know what, I'm just, I'm done. I called my district manager. I'm like, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm over this. I'm, I'm gonna quit, and started working in a small independent pharmacy, one location independent mom and pop pharmacy. And I never thought I'd land in an independent, um, and just really enjoy that. And then gave the rest of my time to the free clinic and how God moves. I was uh, named the director there in 2012. So this, the free clinic is this ambulatory care clinic that I was doing pharmacy stuff in. So we had a med room, it's a terminal distributor. So I was bringing students in and what, you know, uh, this place, Cedarville University is starting a pharmacy school. And I'm like, man, I need to hook up with these guys. So uh, Dr. Franz and I uh, corresponded and I, uh, I joked that he and I kind of grew up in our careers together. You know, he started in, in around the same time I did at the free clinic, he started here at the university. And so as soon as there was a class, uh, um, of appies, I was like, yeah, send them my way, man. Let's do this. Let's, uh, let's do what we're going to do. So the free clinic is it to explain that it's a hundred percent free. So there's no charge, no bill, uh, nothing like that. Didn't receive any federal funding, not an FQHC. It's just, uh, it's just, uh, healthcare and the wild west of healthcare. You know, you just, you treat the patient and that's what you do. And, and regardless of, of what the issues are, you, you do it. So uh, during my 
nearly nine-year tenure there, we really grew the work we did in the pharmacy and the med room and the medications we dispensed. And then um, Cedarville came calling. I got an email from Dr. Franz and said, hey, man, we're looking for a director for this pharmacy over here. I think you should apply. And uh, it, it was just timely for that organization, for this organization. It just, it just worked. So I left on the best of terms from where I was. And it's, that's a unique thing when you can step away and help them be successful after you. You know, it's, usually it's like, here's my two-week notice and they let you loose at one, you know. But with there, I, I can still be a part of that success. So That's great. Well, let me go back to uh, your work at Health Partners Free Clinic in yeah. Troy. You serve there as the executive director for part of your time there. So what does that role look like? I think a lot of people <laughs> don't think of pharmacists necessarily stepping into an executor, executive directorship of a free clinic. Yeah, I, I'd always joke, uh, if you've heard one story of an executive director to a nonprofit, you've heard one story. Everybody gets there in a different <laughs> way. So yeah, uh, um, I was all the hats. So I, I would, you know, fix the light bulbs I would fundraise I would do the budget I would I, you name it I did it uh minus you know diagnosing a patient you know and we got pretty pretty close as pharmacists we had a SCA that we utilized to collaborate with nurse practitioners but uh, yeah I did I did it all and so I I really uh appreciated that experience because until you've done it all, you know, I was chatting with you guys before the podcast. I come to Cedarville University and you guys have this engine, this huge you know, I I've got people who do stuff like that for me now. Uh but the benefit is having done it myself is that I get to I really know what how to use and abuse them, how to how to get them to do the things that I value, uh, and they do do it so much better than I do. Uh, but yeah, during that process uh, of like realizing, oh no, my doctorate isn't good enough. I'm going to have to get even more educated if I want to run a business. Uh, I did go back to the University of Illinois to get my MBA, and I'm finalizing that in November with capstones. But it's just that value and the education, the experience is second to none. So you're getting some of that formal training in business, but you have a lot of informal life experience training yeah. outside of even um, a health partners free clinic. So yeah. my understanding is you and a brother, uh, one of your brothers has uh, set up a, a business and you've ran that. So how has that taught you? What did you learn through that? <laughs> yeah. I, I learned that I, we were too stupid to know it was a bad idea. <laughs> and by the grace of God, it worked out. So we started a CrossFit gym in 2008, um, just basically like playing business we weren't really doing business uh and then 2015 i got out of that uh, and and lost <laughs> i lost about the same amount of money it cost me to get my mba so i always joke that i'm getting my second mba uh but i yeah i lost that money but i learned so much in that process and of course when you lose money like that there's things you can do to create tax advantage blah 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 but uh that first run was basically learning what not to do essentially and by the grace like i said by the grace of god it's still up and going i'm still a member there at the gym i highly value crossfit and i love that's one of my things if i don't have crossfit my in my life then i don't feel like all the spokes are even and complete but yeah so it was a, it was a great experience i encourage people to go out and take risks like that uh just make sure you keep your real job <laughs> yeah there you go good so 
you were new, of course, in this role here at Cedar Care. New meaning in the last few days, even. Um, yeah. So, are there other experiences aside from the ones that we've talked about that you feel have prepared you well for the role of being the director at Cedar Care Village Pharmacy? You know, uh, being being a preceptor, that'll definitely it, you have to have that background to do what we're going to do because. Uh, when you're a preceptor, you realize the value in the education in the gaps. So, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, yeah, you, you get what I'm saying there, Dr. Cole. But it, it's it's like, yeah, we got, we got this syllabus here and we got these projects you're going to do. But uh, like just yesterday, I was in the pharmacy and uh, uh, a young woman comes in with her baby, clearly only a couple weeks old, and she's filling a medication for an antibiotic. So I'm able to grab the guys, you know, the two two students that are there with me, and I say, hey, guys, should I be worried? Go think about that. <laughs> and then I've got my answer, obviously, but then I can come back around to them and be like, okay, so what should I have been worried? Um, and, and so that you have to have, that for sure. And beyond that, I think it's, it's, it's leadership experience and knowledge. Uh, nine times out of ten, leadership is the, uh, the willingness to do something you're asking somebody else to do. Um, and the willingness to delegate, even though delegation is hard and scary. You got to be able to do that. And to be able to do that, you have to be able to communicate. To be able to communicate, you have to have clear, open uh, forms of communication. How do we communicate with each other? How would you like to communicate with each other? And that's, I think we can talk about that in the didactic setting all you want, but until you're actually in it, um, you don't see it. And then, and then you got to you got to make sure that your team's taken care of. And if you can't communicate with your team, you're lost. So leadership is a lot about communication. That's the perfect segue to a question that I'd love to ask you. And that is, if you had to encapsulate your philosophy of leadership as a leader at Cedar Care, how would you describe it? Um, just member of the team. Leader, leadership, is, it, we always kind of uh, romanticize leadership. Hmm. Uh, leadership sorry to tell you, is 75% burden. <laughs> your job is to make sure that everybody in the room is comfortable. That's your job. Uh, your job is not to do everything. Your job is not to take all the credit for everybody's hard work. Your job is to make sure that the people who actually do the work are comfortable and happy and that your product is, is excellent. So uh, leadership is really about caring and being a servant to others. We, You know, guys at Cedarville University, you do this so well. Servant leaders just come pouring out of here. Um, and, and they get it. They get it 100%. But that, and that's really what it looks like. You really have to be able to serve others. Um, and then there's this component of vision. Now, now we're getting into the good stuff. So yeah, as a leader, you got to create this vision for where the organization is going to go. Uh, out of thin air, you got to put it down on paper, and then you got to make it happen. So, you know, leaders and integrators and, and visionaries and all these kinds of personalities have to be involved in, in making that happen. That's the more creative and the higher level stuff. Uh, you can support a staff and take care of people. You know, most anybody can do that. The vision stuff, that's where it gets hard. That's when you figure, find out what you're made of. So we'll, we'll see if I'm what I'm made of in that. 
Good. Well, we're looking forward to it. <laughs> I think before we move any further in the podcast, maybe even get into some of those ideas for where you see Cedar Care going here in the future, yeah. I, I want to make sure that we have given our listeners a proper introduction to Cedar Care Village Pharmacy. We've had right. Dr. Thad Franz here on the podcast, but yeah. I don't know that I've given him the opportunity to do the pharmacy justice. So can you give us a primer on Cedar Care Village Pharmacy and what you guys are doing and what the mission vision is for this pharmacy? Yeah. So I'll open that up with, we're not what what you think we are. We're not what you you think we are. So by uh, all intents and purposes, you you look at Cedar Care and you think, oh, that's an independent pharmacy in the town of Cedarville, um, village of Cedarville. That's incorrect. Uh, We are really a working pharmacy business lab for the university, really. From my perspective, uh, nine days on the job. That's my perspective, okay? Um, mission and vision is to provide care for folks in excellent product and services uh, while ensuring that the name of Christ is uplifted and, and held in extremely high regard. So don't get it twisted. We are being servants to people so that we can share Christ. That's really what it is. And that's that's what attracted me to the university to begin with. It was like, whoa, I just went and gave a talk at Cedarway University, and you're not going to believe it. They opened up the class with prayer. They they can openly talk about their, their faith. Like, this is amazing. So let's not forget that we are doing business there, but, but the name of Christ is something that is going to be uplifted. Beyond that, it really, this is not an independent pharmacy. This is a university-backed um, business, and so we can go and do some really fun things. Uh, you know, my background in ambulatory care, I want to see, I want to see more ambulatory care done uh, at Cedar Care. So, you know, I wanted to, you know, uh, Dr. Franz would always say that one-stop shop, one-stop shop, one-stop shop. He is right in my head. I mean, that's exactly what he's right. That's what it should be. So, you know, I, I listened to the episode with Dr. Uh, Franz, and then you had another guest from Schreiber's. I'm, can't recall her name. Yeah, Dr. Kowalski. Yeah. Kowalski, thank you. Uh, but she, it was really interesting to listen to her because I know of all the resource that comes with Cedarville University. She doesn't really have that. Now, they have several locations at Tribers, but she's doing it too. So we can, I think we, we can inspire other independents to, to run this thing down. Um, but we definitely have resources here that others don't have. So I think we should definitely try to bless as many people in independent pharmacy and, you know, alumni, students that are going to come out of here, try to come alongside them and, and help them too. Uh, so that's a part of the vision as, as well. Um, again, I'm only nine days on the job. So creating that vision is something that is on the, the, the agenda. Uh, but already I can see that we need to move towards more ambulatory care. And that kind of coincides too with, I guess a couple of different things that I'm picking up now and now where you mentioned before there was all of this stuff in the background that I had to do. I had to do that sort of thing. Yeah. But now I have people for it. Yeah. Um, a lot of, and this is where you'd kind of mentioned a lot of independent pharmacies are not going to look like that. Now, of course, at a certain small chain, they might have that opportunity with one person who can try and go do the marketing and the other stuff and getting into different business opportunities. But having this backing and especially having, students willing to go and help you out with it and constantly having more students coming through kind of in connection with the um, business 
group that we have here on campus as well that looks like a, a perfect and sustainable model to continue creating independent pharmacies that have this backing and or at the very least know how to do it and can kind of step into that same role but provide higher quality care the one-stop shop sort of thing yeah. just like cedar care would be doing as well yeah yeah so yeah and and i don't know if i'm allowed to say this but the big retail stores that are working pharmacists into the ground lying about actually caring about the quality that they provide to patients i kind of see them as enemy number one um all to say, I really want to um, be serious and sincere about the excellence and quality of our products and services. I don't want it to be a commercial that we do it and then don't. I, I want to be honest and live with integrity. So I think independents have that ability uh, where maybe some other businesses are, they're, they're, the machine is so big that though they want to, I can't. And that's, I've experienced that in my career. I really want to do this next level of care. I just can't because there's so much going on. So it, it for me, I'd always say at the clinic, quality is a new quantity. So take your time with a patient. Take your time because that's going to be valued. I really do think, uh, Matt, with your generation and below, that uh, customer service and customer care and patient care uh, that uh, is more developed is going to be novel. Mm -hmm. And for <laughs> generations past mine, it's like, well, no, we expected that. We, we expected customer service. Well, for the generations that shop Amazon and have no interaction with an individual, um, it's going to be novel and people yeah. are going to want it. You have to provide something else. Yeah, It's got to be, you want the value that's there. I was actually just talking with Ernie Boyd at the Ohio sure. Pharmacist Association sure. about this and we were sitting in his office and he was running through some background on myself and I told him it is an example for Cedar Care. Um, Cedar Care doesn't really look like a normal pharmacy. I mean, it has the windows and it has the yeah. aisles and the walk up to the counter and everything, but it, and it doesn't quite look like a, a clinic or a clinic office would be, but there's something different about it compared to walking into a conventional pharmacy. So what I was discussing with him was whether it's the one-stop shop idea or some other product and value that I can provide. I, I, as an example, I was like, I almost don't even want to drive through. I want somebody to want yeah. to see the pharmacist in the pharmacy and go, I know that I'm valued when I show up here. I know that I'm cared for and I feel that, but I, I, because of the value that I get from that pharmacist, from that team, from that, from that facility, I want to go inside. I want to say hi. I want to see people get those connections. Yeah. Um, but we, we have to provide that. Um, if, you know, if we continue to sort of look like fast food, but for medications, I, I mean, as a patient side, I don't see a lot of value there, you yeah. know? Um, but I think that Cedar Care, especially as that model kind of looks like a, a great way to amplify the value of a profession in an independent setting, at least. Yeah. Yeah. You, you actually, you're in you're in my head man um yeah i thought that through too i was like man i don't want to drive through because you're just taking value away uh but a great example of that recently is uh we had to debate whether or not to stock uh, the take-home binax mm -hmm. test and um luckily here in cedarville uh at the library if you need a binax you can go there and you can get a take home now, i'd rather have the interaction with the patient i'd rather have that interaction make sure the test is done 
uh, appropriately um, and uh, that I can just level on someone. So, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Provide quality care and the access that's needed for it, too. 100%. In business and a, a lot of other sectors, we talk about disruptive change, right? That's a buzzword that we hear all yeah. over the place. And I can't think of in my lifetime, aside from maybe 9-11, which we're at the 20th anniversary of, yeah. something more disruptive to everyday life of Americans than the COVID-19 pandemic. So, Justin, I'd love to hear your perspective on how has this pandemic created an opportunity for disruptive change in pharmacy and do you think these are going to last well into the future? Um, you know, it was Churchill who said, never let a good crisis go to waste, you know? Uh, and this was the crisis that pharmacy could not let go to waste. I'm not making light of COVID and all those we've lost. Um, but I'll say this, the walls came down on what we were able to do as pharmacists because of COVID. Will this go away? No, this is the new, <laughs> I, I'm going to say it, ready? This is the new normal. We are going to do point of care testing. We are going to do vaccination uh, and it's going to expand into uh, beyond acute illness into chronic illness. So I believe strongly that this pandemic has opened the door up for pharmacy. I, I, I don't think you'll meet a pharmacist today unless they've been living under a rock who doesn't agree with that. Uh, it's just created some opportunity and uh, sped up. A lot of uh, a lot of the. So we've talked a little bit about the unique resources that Cedar Care has as a pharmacy, but there are a lot of things that are replicable, and I think other pharmacies yeah. can learn. One of those is leveraging students to really provide great quality care in the pharmacy setting. Yeah. So we've often referred to Cedar Care Village Pharmacy as a teaching pharmacy. So. Can you describe for us what does that mean and what does it look like? Why do student pharmacists actually bring value to the pharmacy and how can others catch that vision too? I'll tell you this. I would not be who I am today without a lot of things, especially the grace of God. But if I didn't have interactions with students, I wouldn't be here because they keep me fresh. They keep me um, – and I've actually talked about this in the past, but you know, we get a new student every, every month – you know, every quarter. So every, every time I get a new student coming on board, I have to relive why I do what I do. So it, along with the fact that they're phenomenal workforce, that they love on people themselves and can give a whole different uh, interaction with, with patients because of their youth and their energy, um, they help the staff dramatically stay on top of what, why they're doing what they're doing, um, and we just create some amazing friendships and relationships that way. So, yeah, I, I would preach out to other independents. Yeah, you know, taking on students can be work. It can be work, okay? But if you're not coaching other people up, if you're not giving back, uh, you, you're missing out on something amazing. And in, that, in the precepting model that yeah. you described earlier, too, there's – what you just mentioned, it's it's hard. There's a lot of commitment to invite a student or multiple students, especially. What are they going to do? What sort of service can I help them to provide to, to my community, of course? But with the precepting model that you've described before and really investing in that, it, it might be some short-term difficulty, but that's a very long-term gain like any other investment would be because then those students now have a have a good model. They've seen it. They've 
have an understanding, they have a taste for it. But now that's one more pharmacy maybe that's opened up. Yeah. Someone else is doing the same thing. And they're, uh, we've, we've mentioned it before, using pharmacists on the healthcare team is the, the term would be like a force multiplier if we were, yeah. if we were a different group, of course. And, um, but now that's one person and sure one's not a lot, but then they'll have their next student and then they've precepted in that way and they've gone and taught somebody else. So your investment is no longer just, well, I had them for a quarter or a semester or a month, whatever it was. It's that student now has a, has a model and they can reflect that they can go do the same thing. And then we continue to sort of spread that same precepting model, of course. For sure. And to be honest, in that month with an appy, if you've got ippies as well, what I love to do is put an ippy under an appy and say, okay, show me how you're going to lead and teach and coach. Let's see it. Let's see it. And, and then I can coach them up on that. I mean, that layered learning model, uh, it's just so valuable because often we're not given, as students, you know, students aren't given the opportunity to lead often in, in appy situations. And that's, that's a crying shame. They should be given that, that opportunity. You guys both have me excited about independent community pharmacy in a way that I've never <laughs> been before. So let's keep this going. Yeah. What are some of the unique things that Cedar Care Village Pharmacy is doing now to promote the health of the community? Number one, there's no uh, any vaccine that we're legally able to give, we're given, and we're doing a lot of it, uh, COVID included. Uh, we have Moderna um, vaccines that were given on Mondays and Fridays. Uh, Wednesdays, we're doing Pfizer. And then the whole gambit of vaccine. If you come here as a student and you need to be vaccinated, come over. Cedar Care will take care of you. Uh, but then beyond that, it's point-of-care testing. Like, I've never seen it before. So we're doing COVID tests. We can do strep and flu. Um, and the sky's the limit. I was listening to... Uh, uh, oh, uh, the pharmacogenomics um, uh, episode and thinking in my head, I went straight to the pharmacy after I was listening to that and uh, I got a hold of my app. I'm like, oh man, this could be a project for you to look into, but I'm going to hold it off for next month for our next app. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who that is. So it, w- we could do it all. We could do it all when it comes to point of care testing um, as much as possible at least, but I could see, I mean, geez, if we got a phlebotomist in there, we could... We could really do some some damage. So that's really, really fun. Top of that, you know, some of the other things that we're doing is that, uh, you know, we can, we, can, we can organize your health experience for you. So we can do pill packs for you. We can automate when you're getting your, your refills. So we take the thinking out of it for you. I've always said to my students as pharmacists, we need to be thinking for the patient ahead of time. Because sometimes folks are in situations where they're just, you know, they're living day to day. And, uh, you know, inevitably you get these situations where it's like, oh, man, they're, they're, they're going to be out of their meds tomorrow and they're just now calling in. Well, I mean, life's busy. What if you're a single mother uh, trying to raise a couple kids? I mean, you forget these things. So we need to be advocates for them. We need to love on them and, and planning for them. So that's another service uh, we're providing. Um, Again, I'm only nine days on the job, and I'm like a big vision guy, so I don't want to get too ramped up and talk about stuff that isn't a reality yet because I I got people to answer to for that. But, you know, we really want to see how we can work interlaced with all the other health professionals here 
Uh, so, you know, we got a PA school coming. We got an NP school that's already here. We've got nursing, uh, uh, business, business school. Could we be using, you know, uh, some of these folks in business to, to come alongside and really play around with some things. So, so I'm already seeing, you said nine days on the job, but I can already see this vision just from this quick chat with you about what Cedar Care could be, but where it is right now. Yeah. So for a lot of our listeners, if you're not in the pharmacy world, hearing that a pharmacist, well, one is the director at a, at a clinic, but then also is in a clinic in general is probably pretty unexpected. You know, we're usually expected to be maybe in a basement at a hospital or you'll be at the corner store, something like that. But between the services that you've just talked about, but then especially the expansion of them, I can already sort of see this connection where you're looking at your previous role where, yes, health partners had this dispensing opportunity, but you also had this clinic opportunity as well. So you miss, you say vision. What's the vision right now for Cedar Care? What does that sort of clinic opportunity look like? If you can share it at least. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it... it I don't think it's a secret that we want to uh, provide that one-stop shop. It's not a secret. Uh, how do we do it? So what one thing we don't do as pharmacists is we don't diagnose. So we need a partner to come along and diagnose. Uh, so I could see when we have further build out of the building, which we will, uh, I could see providing space for PANP uh, to be in there with our medical director's oversight. Uh, so kind of like that minute clinic model, but we're going to do it better. So it's it's always going to be something where if you if you need to access healthcare in the village, um, if you're somebody on campus that needs to access healthcare, um, UMS does a great job. We would like to add more and and just have folks be able to come in, be seen, get their meds, um, get things synced up if they need to. I have a huge heart for diabetes. I just I don't know what it's always been a part of my heart. So the number one killer in our area is cardiovascular disease, you know, uh, and diabetes, hypertension, those are big players. So I, if I can prevent, if, if the work that we do prevents somebody from a heart attack, stroke, that's the biggest deal for me. We, we fantasize about preventive medicine. We really do. We haven't really done it yet. So how do we do it? Got to get in the community. You know, don't wait for them to come to you. You got to go find them. So maybe mobile units with cedar care on them you know maybe that's a future for us i don't know uh i i what i know is that uh, you know folks are underserved right now and they need a convenient way to access their health care and for the longest time uh, for the longest time i feel like we've done health care with ego the patient should come to us we'll decide when their refills are you know all these things where it's like you know they have to access us they have to come to us i think it was paramount especially during the pandemic i remember being on a call with um ceos of, of hospitals in my area back home uh and the first phone call during covid was don't come to us stay away from the er keep them away keep them away not two three months later it is well wait a second you know, these people aren't coming to us and, and they have these issues these chronic care issues they should be seeing us for well, what are you doing? You're talking out of both sides of your head because it, it did well for business for you at the time. That's not, that's not patient care. Let's get patient care centered and let's go meet people where they are. Yeah, there's that, there's that idea of you can say 
whatever it might be and it might sound right in the moment but then it's not necessarily the whole story so as you're talking about that and i i immediately thought of warfarin counseling yeah so what's step one when you hear about warfarin it's don't eat leafy greens yeah but what we'd prefer to say and what's right to say you need you need fiber substances of course it's part of a healthy diet it's the 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 correct way is if you're going to have leafy greens eat a consistent amount and make sure that we're regularly testing you yeah to make sure that your warfarin's in check and everything like that that's a great point so i immediately think of that um but you're right there's there is this expectation of well they have a patient has to come to us and especially in the pharmacy setting we we're almost forced to be pretty reactionary in terms of health yeah um yeah, we have options, self-care, things like that, that we can use for, for patients over-the-counter medications. Uh, we can educate as much as we can, but we're kind of stuck, at least in the conventional setting, with I, I can't tell you what's going on until you show up. Yeah. I can't necessarily counsel you on anything until I have an idea for what your concern would be. Yeah, and you're right. Getting ahead of that would be would be fantastic. I really like what you just said about that, that warfarin. Uh, it, it should have always been... I know you're going to eat leafy greens every day because it's good for you. <laughs> so keep that consistent on this work. You know, that's, that's how we should approach it. Uh, if we, if we want people to be healthy. So I, I'm steal that, man. I'm going to take that, <laughs> take that right now. Do you see yourself getting involved in more outreach in the community with your vision for going to where the needs are rather than waiting for them to come to you? It's a, it's a drug, Dr. Cole. I'm addicted to it. I'm a, Addicted to it, yeah. I've already been having some uh, conversations with uh, P3s uh, and P4s about, you know, what could outreach look like. You know, we get a and let's let's get a van and load up. Let's go and and see some people. I, we did it so much at the clinic. Uh, I want to bring it here. Uh, I know that there's a need in this community for it. So yeah, it, it might take me a little bit. It might take me a little bit to get there. But I'm already working with the clinic to do a flu. Um, to do a, a vaccine clinic in my area utilizing cedar care and students that's already in the works um it's just something that it's it's, it's like breathing air to me i we gotta be we gotta be doing it any other innovative ideas dreams that you have so this is your chance to <laughs> think a little vision maybe we're, we're at the start of it here nine yeah. days in but anything else that pops to your mind that you just would love to see happen at cedar care you know, I have to be careful. Um, having this conversation's really given me inspiration to go and support independents. Independents have always been the front line. They are the punk rock of pharmacy, right? They go and they do whatever they can. Um, I, and I don't want to sound egotistical in that. Like, oh, you know, it's like going on a missions trip. Oh, these poor, poor people they don't know what they're doing no no no. they do know what they're doing i just want to come alongside them and say hey how can we do that better with you and and is there something that we can be adding to your work um so i would love to to see cedar care um grow in that way not necessarily creating all these branches but creating a model that would assist independence and keep them open i think that aligns with the vision of the center for pharmacy innovation here and yeah. that really prompts me to think is that a role that we can play in advancing pharmacy practice today so i, oh, I love yeah. the synergies that 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 can happen between 
both Cedar Care and the center that we have here at the School of Pharmacy. Well, and let me say, I just love your movement here, uh, and I want to be a part of it. I'll, I'll, I'll clean your bathrooms. I don't care. Whatever you want me to do. <laughs> but I am. I, I, I told everybody when I got this position, it, it scratches two itches for me. Entrepreneurial innovation and work with students. So, yeah, yeah. Is that, is that an offer? Are you offering? Is that an offer? <laughs> well, we, you we'll, we'll talk more about that. But yeah, I, yeah, let's get an MOA drawn up. Let's sign some, let's sign some paperwork today, guys. <laughs> Currently, with Ohio pharmacies, there's been this interesting sort of practice change in terms of practice management, what that looks like. Cedar Care is involved in a provider status pilot with CareSource. Yeah. Could you kind of describe to our listeners what that looks like? Maybe some of the processes, what's going on in the pharmacy in regards to that pilot? Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's Melina, uh, actually, that we're okay. doing that pilot with, but no, no worries. They... Uh, I've not been able to dig in yet with that, but here's what I'll, I'll say about provider status. Provider status should be seen as something that does not silo us again. So that is my biggest thing. I actually think collaborative agreements was never taken advantage of. We did it at the clinic. We should have been doing it. Like we should have been getting in the mix. Like, let's play with this. And I think we held it off because we didn't we couldn't figure out how to get paid for it. Well, so what? Go back to basic business. Increase foot traffic. Number one, you you want you want more money? Get more bodies in your shop. That's how you do it. So with provider status, I am stoked about it. Um, don't get it twisted. I'm excited, uh, but I want to ensure we don't lose a healthcare team just because we have this provider status. I think it should uh, put us right beside those, those mid-level level providers. Uh, so I, I'm excited for it. However, I want to make sure that we have a healthcare team come around it. A lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity there. So that's going to be my brand of provider status. I hope, I hope everybody is happy about it. Uh, but I, I value the healthcare team so much because of my background in amatory care that I, I really don't want it to take away from a healthcare team. We hear a lot of negativity about the profession right now um, to the point where it is impacting the number of people who even want to be in it, both those who have been in pharmacy for many years who are just disenfranchised with where we are, but also those entering. They hear the negative banter, and, and we just don't have that interest from a, a student perspective or young people. Currently in the profession, there's sort of this wave of negativity. There's people saying, you know, don't get in. This is a nightmare or whatever words you want to use. Sure. Um, Some will say that. Well, we're people who are in, in a pharmacy setting already and they have gotten that degree. It, there's been a lot of practical challenges, especially in the last two years with increasing burnout and increased demands on workload, but not necessarily the support for it. So uh, along, along those lines, when we've been talking today, there's been this great excitement of look what one small pharmacy can do in a community. What, what do we need to do? What's the next step to amplify that model and that vision for more students? Yeah. So that, it's, it's a really loaded question. Um, I, I think in healthcare in general, there's a lot of burnout and a lot of negativity. Um, and I'm, I, I don't want to be too controversial here. But I often say that we had it coming. We kind of had it coming. Uh, listen, we we created an industry. You look at you look at stories like Purdue 
pharma and and the the how we took advantage of people um, for so many years to make money. Uh, no wonder no one trusts us, and no wonder people are saying stay away. So I think, I, to be honest, though, I've never had that thought in my life. Never had that thought in my life in my career. In fact, you saying it kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, first time for some people hearing that, of course. Yeah. Um, I, I've, of course, I want a narrow, un, you know, beaten path because I, I, when I took the position as executive director of a nonprofit, I took a huge pay cut. Okay, let's be clear here. You know, it was, there were some tough times. Was, at one moment, I had two other jobs on top of being an executive director for a nonprofit um, raising small kids, you know, with my wife, trying to make sure she can be available to them. I was just, I was working hours. Okay. Okay. Kids out there listening. So it, it yeah, it, if you want to live a mission driven life, there's going to be seasons of hard, hard work, but I'll tell you what, when I can look in the eyes of a patient and provide them comfort, when I can provide answers to family members who will call me at all hours of the day and night asking questions, there's nothing more rewarding than that. So I, I would tell these folks to slow down, fall in love with the process, take time on the floor with a patient, cut up with them, send them a thank you card, make some, make some good conversation. And so what if your queue loads up? So what if the district manager is breathing down your neck? You know what? They'll fire you. Okay, so if, if you're not making them happy, they'll fire you. And guess what? You'll go and do something great because you believe in the product and service that you're giving to others. So for those who I'd say, you know, are, are, are talking like that so negatively, I would say slow down and get, get patient centered and start caring about people. Send them thank you cards. I'll be honest, my career changed when I started sending people thank you cards. That sounds so weird. Peter Drucker, who is an author and the, the expert on nonprofits, all things nonprofit would tell you, you can do a billion different things to try to get retention, donor and customer retention. Nothing trumps a thank you card because you got to slow down and handwrite that baby. You know what I mean? You got to say, wow, thank you. Thank you for coming in and trusting me. Um, it's the, it doesn't take much. It's those little things, those little extra services, that little extra time to say, you know, to somebody who's grumpy because they don't feel well, sorry you're going through this i really am it that's the magic the magic is there's no magic right it's just taking the time to remember why you're doing what you're doing and if you're stuck right now if you're listening to me and you're stuck in a situation where you're too busy to talk to a patient don't don't be and if the organization you're with doesn't value that they'll get rid of you or maybe you leave because your your mission and your vision and your values don't align with them and you might I can hear somebody on the other end of this, this, this listener saying, well, you, what do you mean leave? You don't understand. I've got, I, I gotta, I gotta pay all my bills and I've got student loans to pay. And Hey, Hey there, I was, I was where you are. And I, I, I made a really hard decision uh, to follow God where he was going to take me. And it landed me in, in just a, an amazing place where I could actually care about patients. And uh, we're going to fight uh, tooth and nail here to make sure that that's the new model. And uh, I think you're going to see a resurgence in independent pharmacies uh, growing all over the state. Uh, here in Ohio is just the best state for pharmacy. It's, it's you know, uh, bar, we're, we're second to none. So 
hopefully we can bring more to the industry here in Ohio. Um, but when it gets down to it, man, get back to the patient. Well, as we close, can you tell our, our listeners where they can find more information about Cedar Care itself? and yeah. how they can get connected with the resources that you guys provide. Yeah, thanks for that softball lob. I appreciate that. So cedarcarerx.com, cedarcarerx.com. Go check out our website. You can do uh, most anything you need to do on it. You can get your refills set up. Uh, you can get a vaccine set up. Uh, yeah, just just come in and, and then come in and see us. Right, Matt? We come into the pharmacy, see us, say hello. Uh, love to shake a couple hands, get to know you. If you're a student here, utilize us. Please utilize us because we've got the capacity for it. Well, Justin, it's been a distinct pleasure to have you here. A really great conversation. I think we should do this again. I think we should. I really had fun with you guys this morning. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Matt, for joining us as well. Great comments. Yeah, it was great being here. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Disrupt, a podcast from the Center for Pharmacy Innovation. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share the podcast with others. For more information on the Cedarville University School of Pharmacy and the Center for Pharmacy Innovation, visit www.cedarville.edu pharmacy. Thanks for listening. <laughs>